Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. show. Step out of the cold. What is my problem? All right, folks. Welcome back. Hope you all are having fantastic times on this Tuesday after Labor Day. Um Gatto is not here with us today, but we have Q and myself, and we are going to go through some information on uh, the National Football League and all of that entails with that. But first, Q, how was your Labor Day weekend? Tell us you did some fun. Glorious. Say more about that. <laughs> um, not bad. Uh, you know, definitely I had a few fantasy drafts, which we'll get into. Um, but, you know, overall, just – Boozing and cruising. How about you? Um, no fantasy drafts, but same energy from your end. Um, I feel like it's the last kind of weekend of the summer that you can be outside and have a couple drinks before you know football season starts. College football did start this weekend, but um, Duke. Yeah, might be the only time I've ever rooted for Duke in my life. Yeah, there was some serious upsets that happened this weekend, but none of them made me happier than seeing Dabo Sweeney lose. Um, as soon as I woke up, I saw that score, and I was like, well, that's going to be bad. And then I saw somebody on Twitter reposted that video of him saying, we've built this team off of the NIL, God's name, image, and likeness. And the caption to that video was like, that's when you knew God was out on Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Dabo to me is like one of those guys who just like is just he just irks me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird for me that he is such like a religious focused guy at a state institution. He's just kind of like harping on all that shit and taking state money from people. He's also kind of cringy too. Like, extremely. I, I feel like the last couple of years. Jim Harbaugh, Dabo Sweeney, and a handful of others have just, like, made it a mission in their lives to be the most, like, goofiest motherfuckers out there when it comes to, like, coach speak, and they're just tacky as fuck. But mostly it's Harbaugh and him. Yeah, it's it's weird. And, like, it's I've seen, like, videos of, like, former Clemson players trying to, like, defend him and be like, no, you just don't – you don't know the real Dabo, and it's like <laughs> – Who's the real Dabo then? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Please stand up. Yeah. So, um, did you go anywhere fun, or was it all house parties? How'd that How'd that go down? Yeah, it was just it was just local uh, barbecuing and stuff like that. Uh, I'm 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 far too old to be uh, to doing the party stuff. Not to disparage anybody else from doing it, but you know me, I just I can't take the like multi day hangovers anymore. So I get to the point now. I've learned how to like 
kind of go in cruise control and have just enough to kind of get a buzz on, but like not past the point of just being annihilated, wasted. How many hot dogs do you have? I don't eat hot dogs unless I am I'm gonna like rephrase, blackout drunk. I'm going to rephrase the question. You, you the glizzy god right now? Are you the glizzy god? I had a couple yesterday because I never cooked them on Sunday. And I said, you know what? These are Nathan's all beef franks. I need to give them some attention. I need to give them some love. And I did. And they were yeah, fantastic. I you gave them some love. All right, sir. This is a family <laughs> show. <laughs> um, I will so, say, Nathan's, if I'm going to eat a hot dog, it's going to be a Nathan's hot dog. Yeah. You have to do those. You Like, somebody suggested, like, well, why don't you just buy some ballpark franks? I was like, because I don't hate my guests. Ooh. Like, we are a civilized people now where we can buy high-end hot dog. Yeah, I mean, at, at least. Like, got to go above. Like, ballpark franks are, like, the lowest of the low. You got to go yeah. higher than that. The ballpark frank up. is the one that you get if you win a prize and the prize is, like, a 50-pound bag of hot dogs. Which is a pretty yeah. terrible prize. Um, if someone gave me a 50-pound bag of hot dogs, I'd probably punch them in the face. <laughs> well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you had a couple fantasy drafts this uh, past weekend. Talk to us about that. How did that go for you? Well, this is the hard part. Um, I had we – we had our fantasy draft, so which will kind of – spend the majority of the time uh, kind of going over. But I had two other ones uh, yesterday. And one was a keeper league. So, like, I already kind of knew that was going to go okay um, just because I was keeping Tony Pollard and Jamar Chase. So, and the way I worked it with trades last year, essentially, it cost me only the stuff I got back in a trade. So, like, mm -hmm. it fuck up my extra picks. So, um, that one went really well. I'm projected to like I think I was like lose like two games with that with, with, it's a pretty beastly roster but the other one the one earlier oh man uh it, it just went it went off the rails real quick it actually started out great and then it oh. just went off the fucking rails really bad I kept getting I was pick number six and I don't like being pick number six um I don't know how anybody else feels I would rather either be top three or 10, 11, 12. Give me that because at least I can get the turns, right? Because like when you're six, you're essentially kind of picking in almost in the same spot. Every, it was a 12-man league, so it's like you're picking in the same spot almost every round. Right. And I don't like that. I like having the turn because like if I sense that there's some kind of run happening, I can at least make a decision on whether or not I want to capitalize on that. Six, you feel like you're in a dead zone. So mm -hmm. uh, to kind of give you a start – Austin Eckler falls to me at six. Why? I don't know. Um, and then I get Chris Olave on the way back. And then from there, it just, I don't know. It just every every round, like Kirk Cousins and Anthony Richardson are my quarterbacks because I hit the, yeah, I hit the point where it was like, it's too late, right? Because like I, 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 I jumped for Mark Andrews in round three. And then, I, mind you, it's a standard scoring league. Quarterbacks only get four points per, and everyone jumped on quarterbacks. So I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't really have anywhere to go. Now, granted, Kirk Cousins is always a top 10 quarterback at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Every single year he is. 
problem is he has a lot of big games and a lot of shit games. I need consistency with my quarterback. So um, I got a D minus from Yahoo, which no, normally doesn't phase me, but I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, it's a, probably a D minus team. Yeah. Just listening to some of the quarterbacks you had there. It's, I mean, it's, it happened in our league too, and we'll get into it. It did, yeah. You really need to time when you're going to like go in and find your guy. And that that happened really early for us. Um, but once that run starts, you kind of have to get onto it because I had Kirk Cousins as my quarterback last year. I had Russell Wilson and then somebody else, and then Kirk Cousins I was able to find through like the waiver wire, but if that team is better than they were last year, he's going to not get the same kind of points. I know that's a little counterintuitive, but the way they won games last year is that he threw them back into games. Yeah. And you can't count on that all the time where, you know, the team doesn't improve and, you know, what was a touchdown this time around might be an incompletion. What was an incompletion this time around might be an interception. So, And I mean, the, he, he, like now with no Dalvin Cook and like more uncertainty at running back, it speaks that he probably will throw a lot more, but that doesn't necessarily mean success, you know? <laughs> Cause, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think we also, we also had this conversation um, at the end of the season where Kirk Cousins is in a weird place where he's not an elite quarterback but he's also not bad enough that you bench him and start over. Like he's right in the middle ground. He's right in the middle ground of a guy who's going to throw for 200 yards, a touchdown and a pick in a game. And then just a random 385 with four touchdowns and an interception. Yeah. I I think that's, that's, that's a good point about him is that like, he will have those kind of weird games. And that's kind of why I took Anthony Richardson in the 10th round. So this is a 12 team league standard scoring PPR. And I took Anthony Richardson in the 10th round because I felt like he was that was kind of his spot. To me, he's a guy that like has no competition behind him. They named him the team captain. I think the rushing upside for him, if he's even slightly above average in the passing game, right, this year, then that rushing upside is substantial. He could easily be a top 15 fantasy yeah. quarterback. I mean, easily. Um, week in, week out. But, you know, again, another guy who's going to probably have high variance games. He's going to have like a 40 point game and then he's going to probably have a 10 point game. Like it's just going to be uneven. So that's what worried me. I got Kirk Cousins in the 12th. Um, but like a- after after that, like when I was looking kind of assessing in the 10th round, I'm like, it was like Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr. And I'm like, I just like, I'm going to go with at least someone who at least I know will probably be a top 10 fantasy quarterback at the end of the year in Kirk and then like get a guy who I think has the massive upswing because if I, if Anthony Richardson does hit, because I also got him in my two QB league as well. Yeah. Then like I'm set for, <laughs> I'm set for the year, but if he, if he does like, that's going to hurt me real bad. Yeah. Well, how about, um, what did you like about your, your draft? What were some of the highlights, um, guys that fell to you? You were just in the opportune position to pick somebody up. So we we can actually, uh, one guy that I was consistently getting around anywhere from 10 to 12 is Jalen Warren. And like, I've been talking about Jalen Warren nonstop. It feels like Pittsburgh offense is going to be way better this year than I think Mm -hmm. people expect. And I don't, I'm just not a believer in Najee Harris. I, I, I just don't, I don't see it. 
I don't see the like receiving ability. Jalen Warren has been like it's averaging over almost six yards per carry. Um, and I think he can exist even with Najee Harris, but I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year that he's starting. Um, but I would say the biggest one for me is like Jonathan Taylor. We've talked about him a million times yeah. in our our draft um, for our league. Um, I did notice that he was falling pretty far because like it was pretty much – I think it was just because it was, the news was very fresh about him um, – about him kind of like going on pup. We don't know what he's going to be. I got him in round 10, which to me is like, it's a, it's a value pick at that point. Like, right. Because if he, if he doesn't do anything, it doesn't really hurt me because it's a 10th round pick. He's my running back. I think three or four running back four or five. So it doesn't hurt me, but on the same token that like, if he comes back and he's Jonathan Taylor of 2021, then I'm, have like maybe the best group of running backs out of the league so it's it's a it's a risk but like again that was the thing i was saying about jonathan taylor because i remember you talking about him as a bus i said he is but it depends on how you how where you get him where what is the value in getting jonathan taylor if you're drafting jonathan taylor in round three good luck i don't know i hope you didn't draft travis kelsey in round one um but if you're getting him in round 10, to me, it just feels like I won the lottery. Yeah. I, I would be really curious to see what his, um, like, collectively, on average, where Jonathan Taylor is being drafted in fantasy drafts and also how many – what percentage of people have him rostered as well. Because I feel like the pup stuff – is medically related to like an ankle and a back injury that seems to be kind of phantom. Um, but then also the contract thing too, like even if he's healthy and he comes off the PUP list, he's unless he's got a contract, he's not going to show up. And I think that's the, the scary thing because if it was one thing, Q, if it was like, it's got the contract thing going on, like you can see past that. Those always get figured out. The, the PUP thing well, he misses what four weeks and then comes back. Right. So the the pup list, the pup list, um, essentially guarantees that he's out for four weeks and yeah. he will he's eligible to return by week five. And I think essentially you kind of get like a little bit of a period to be able to. Now, I mean, Indianapolis has said that they're open to mending the relationship, but I just don't know how you do that. Of course, um, they are open to it. <laughs> of course, but but here's the problem, Tom, is that he's kind of stuck. Because if he doesn't come back, he doesn't get vested for. I don't think I. I don't know how it works with on being on pup, but like I don't think he gets credit for the year. So essentially, he would have to. Actually, he's not a holdout. Then he probably will. But they can just franchise tag him mm-hmm. for like eleven million dollars. So they're and they're going to do that. They're not going to just let him walk away for nothing. So I think ultimately the best resolution that can happen is. Indianapolis offers him uh, what the Giants did for Saquon, but maybe a little bit more than Josh Jacobs. It seems to be the resolution is essentially you're on a one-year deal at this point. Okay, we'll guarantee that we won't franchise tag you next year and we'll give you a little bit extra money and come back. And if Indianapolis – I think it's also going to bet on Indianapolis because if they're 3-1 and one after four games – and they feel like Jonathan Taylor is that missing piece to kind of put them over the top. Maybe they play ball. 
Yeah, they might push a little bit harder. And if they suck, like then there's Taylor being there and playing for them only hurts their chances for another high pick. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but with Anthony Richardson, I feel like you want to do, I mean, this is Indianapolis we're talking about, but you really do want to do everything possible to like make sure that he has a good start to his career. So like having Jonathan Taylor there over Evan Hole and Deion Jackson is, is probably a safe bet. Yeah. Uh, Mario just posted something here in the chat. So contractually he can be traded again in week six. He has to dress for a game or two, and he gets his year. He doesn't want to play for the Colts now. I'd be shocked if he plays. And I agree with you, Mario. Like, I think if this was going to be saved, it was going to be saved in July. And it didn't seem like the Colts were in that much of a hurry to get this done or even entertain it. I don't really know where a lot of their money is anyway because that team is so, like, young. And they're (sighs) – particularly for running backs. And I think we've talked about this before, particularly for running backs. They are so disposable now that yes, Jonathan Taylor, does he have the potential of running for 1800 yards again? Sure. Will he probably not? Can we find two or three guys that can cobble together 1200 yards collectively pay them like a third of what they're, we were going to give to Jonathan Taylor even before a new contract. And then they'll be okay. Like that's the bottom line is that there are so few bell cows in the NFL. Now him being one Derek Henry being the other, and probably Dalvin cook as another one that all those guys are old now and we're just shuffling through all of them. And I mean, if you're the Colts, it's not financially advantageous for you to do something like that. Well, the Colts have about 6.7 million in cap space right now, but, but they obviously, you can massage contracts. They have about 80 million next year. So they yeah. are a young team. So I just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think a trade's going to happen because like, it's clear that they don't want to trade him. I will say too, like, it's not like the NBA or baseball, like trades are so infrequent in the NFL and yeah. trades that work are even more infrequent. Um, I mean, they, they, they pissed him off enough to, um, yeah. Like him basically saying, like, I don't, you know, I'm not playing for this team until I get more money. Um, so people have said that before, though, and come back. Yeah. I mean, even Lamar said that too. And Josh Jacobs has said it too. So it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. I don't think, he, I don't think he'll play this year. Um, and I, he was probably going to end up on another team when the dust eventually does settle. I mean, I, I, I never, count Indianapolis out to completely fuck up a situation, but like it would be crazy to me for he, for him to sit out the entire year because then he would not get credit for the season. And then you're kind of just stuck in, in Indianapolis because they, again, they control him. If, if he plays this year, they still control him for another two years if they keep the franchise tag on him. Right. So like yeah. you, you ultimately are like, I think Saquon like understood the PR angle of it. And was like, if I keep doing, if I keep holding out at this point, like, it's just not going to, it's not going to end well for me. Right. Cause like everyone's going to eventually turn on me. Mm-hmm. So I think he just ultimately, you know, realized like, and the same thing with Josh Jacobs, by the way, I think Josh Jacobs also kind of realized that they gave them modest increases on their contract and essentially know that probably next year they're going to be free agents. And 
But yeah, like you said, the, the turnover with running backs, I think it, I don't think it's going to change either. I don't think there's going to be a, like a, a, a shift all of a sudden that running backs get paid, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Again, it's just not happening. You either got it when you got it, but if now you're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, Anything else from your draft that was of note? Um, any sleeper pickups outside of Taylor that you were able to grab? Anybody who you were just able to to see more of them? Yeah, I would say um, I mentioned Jalen Warren. Um, but for me, one thing I've noticed about like Derrick Henry was like going lower than I expected. I did not expect him to be a like late second round pick. And that's where I actually ended up getting him um, in this draft. Um, I just, I'm just, well, it wasn't a late second round, but like I've been seeing him almost in every draft, he was going in the late second round. And I just don't know why. Um, I understand that they don't think Tennessee is going to be very good, but like, I just don't see like he's, he's going to get most of the work. So, and especially at the goal line. So unless you think he's like completely falling off a cliff, um, I don't know. I th- I just think his just age is out there, right? Like, guy is old now in terms of like running backs. True, but at the same time, at the same token, though, like he still can put up double digit touchdowns every single year. And again, like because he is the goal line back for for Tennessee. I mean, they're going to score at least a little bit. And, like, he's, you know, again, this is the deciding whether or not you think he's completely fallen off the cliff. But, like, you know, he's he's a certified back, so I, I don't know if I would consider him to be, like, a sleeper. But I do think he has RB1 potential. Um, one guy I've been noticing kind of going in, like, the 9-10 range, like, round 9 or 10, was uh, Raheem Mostert. RB25 mm-hmm. last year. Um, and he played all 16, he played 16 games last year, which is not typical for him. Think about Miami right now. I know I, I love Devin Atchain, you know, the Texas A&M rookie, but like, I think he's actually injured right now. Jeff Wilson Jr. Just went on IR. So he's out for the least four games. If you're looking for like a spot starter week one, like a guy, I just need a spot. Like, and if you're in like round nine or 10, Raheem Mostert's going against the Chargers which are like one of the worst run defenses out there. Um, I, I, I just think it's a kind of a steal. And then I know you're not going to like this name, but Samaji P Ryan. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> He's been going anywhere from like 10 to 12 as well. Is Javante Williams healthy? Who knows? Who knows? So, I mean, and like, again, he wasn't just a back. He was like – it was somebody that they like went out and like recruited to come to mm-hmm. Denver. He's a big 240-pound back. He can withstand a lot of usage. And like as you know with fantasy, usage is king. So for me, those have been two guys that have been kind of like really keeping an eye on. I didn't get any shares of P. Ryan, but I did get, um, I did get Mostert. Yeah, I will say about Raheem Mostert, uh, I had him on my team last year as kind of like a, a mid-season pickup. I think I might pick him up sometime in November. And you're right, like he is the most like quintessential spot start guy out there. Like you need to pay a lot of attention to the matchup. But it he's a guy who can go off both running and catching, running for touchdowns, catching touchdowns, like 
guys who speed, man, like those are the ones where all they need to do is just break one. And it doesn't matter what they do for the rest of the game because they've got you like 85 yards and a touchdown. And that's, you know, that's for a guy who you just picked up to like sit in a spot for a week while you're waiting for a bye week to end or someone to right. come off an injury reserve list. Like that's kind of what you're hoping for. Um, so I always liked him. I liked him when he was on San Francisco. Um, and obviously last year when I had him, so, um, I'm rooting for him. I hope that all those guys get back healthy because I also had Jeff Wilson jr. Last year. And I would kind of like play off one and the other. Um, but I was just looking up the projected numbers for Derrick Henry, 293 attempts this year, 259 yards, 11 touchdowns. So, mm. I mean, that's even not. That's still pretty good. Like, it's not going to be the two thousand yards kind of year, but I mean, that's that's numbers that any running back would want. I think I think I think it's expectations, right? Right. With a guy like Raheem Mostert, like I'm not telling you that he's going to be a league winner for you. He's not. Like, but like as you know, like with any early bye weeks, and when it comes down to it, when it when it comes to guys that like just have good matchups. Mm-hmm. I look at a guy like Raheem Mostert and I'm like, there's really just no one there. And they they're gonna need they're gonna need like play right away and like 31 receptions on 42 targets. I mean, if that number even goes up a little bit, and if like the touchdown regression kind of comes back into play and he ends up walking out, like he got eight touchdowns for San Francisco in 2019. It's not like he's not capable of it. So if you add a couple more touchdowns and you add a couple more receptions, running back 25 turns into what? Running back 18? Yeah. Which for a guy Top in the 10th guy, round, yeah, for in the 10th round, like, come on. You can't really do any better than that. Yeah. All right. So let's move to our league. We had our draft last week, and um, it was controversial to say the least. Because there were some choices, decisions were made that um, were questionable by some who were drafting very early. But um, shifting to your team in our Alex Jones is my father league. I want to do this. Instead of you talking about your team, I would like to talk about your team. Sure. And let you see what I see with your team. And if you could provide me with some context of the guys that you went out and drafted yeah. when I mentioned them, that would be fantastic. Okay. First things first, do you think Lamar is going to have the, like a, a return to form year? Because I know the last two years have been kind of up and down for him. Yeah, for, for context, I, I had the 10th pick in the draft. I think you had 12th? Yeah, uh, 11th, I think. 11th. Um, so I got Lamar at pick 39, which is round four. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have a hard time thinking he won't, right? Because it wasn't like – I think if he had, like, torn his ACL or, you know, ruptured his Achilles or something, I'd be more concerned. Um, mm -hmm. Greg Roman is gone. New offensive coordinator who likes to pass. They add Odell Beckham. They draft Zay Flowers in the first round. Mark Andrews is still there. I have a hard time thinking that he won't. And, oh, the big thing, he finally got his money. Yeah. 
Good listen, stuff I don't, there. Yeah, I don't hold it against him not like going out there and you know <laughs> putting his body on the line until they paid him. So he had done enough for them already at that point. Uh, so I think I think if I remember correctly though, he was uh, the I think it was QB four who came off. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so Mario, uh, who is in this league, drafted both Travis Kelsey in the first round and then I believe Mark Andrews in the third round. Not ideal, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the thought process behind that, like because you can you can flex Andrews as your as a uh, you can flex Andrews while keeping Kelsey as your tight end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Mark Andrews as your flex, like you do get more bang for your buck with it with a tight uh, the top tight end because like most flexes are just like some random running back or some random receiver. So I understand the thought process, but like, man, that I, I just had a feeling with Kelsey this year. I'm like, the man's never injured. He's 33 years old. I'm like, this is the year. And yeah. uh, I, so I, I, I kind of avoided them, but yeah, that's rough, man. Yeah. So I would also comment on your team is, so it's Stefan Diggs, Derek Henry, Calvin Ridley, Lamar Jackson, Terry McLaurin, Alvin Kamara, Mike Evans, Pat Freremuth, AJ Dillon, Jonathan Taylor. Seems to be a reoccurring theme. You just keep picking up the same guys. Um, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, Geno Smith, Jalen Warren, Darnell Mooney. And there's one more on here. Uh, Washington's defense and Jason Sanders, Miami kicker. So I'm going to be really honest with you. I like your team if it was two years ago. <laughs> well, okay. So to provide context, like Jarek McKinnon, I have in every single league. Jalen Warren, I have in every single league because, like, I think people forget, like, this is a PPR league. And with PPR leagues, you don't need to be, like, the best running back ever to be usable. Like, uh-huh. Jarek McKinnon was, was propelled me to a fantasy championship last year just because he would catch, at, like, a touchdown every – he would have, like, two or three carries every game. He's but on he the field get, for every third down, though. Right, and he would get about six or seven catches, and usually converted them into a touch, one of them into a touchdown, and like it's good, it's good enough. Jalen Warren, if he can be a Jarek McKinnon in Pittsburgh, um, I feel pretty good about it. The initial picks to me, I don't think are bad. I think Stephon Diggs and Derrick Henry, like you can't really go wrong with either of the two. The Calvin Ridley one makes me a little bit nervous, only because we've seen these long layovers. Yeah, can sometimes have like bad effects. Getting Lamar in round four again, it's a it's a risky team, but like it's also got probably significantly more upside than a lot of other teams. Yeah, it's got a high ceiling. Don't get me wrong, but there's yeah. just a couple of guys on here that I feel like they are they are at their peak right now, or they're just ticking to the back end of it they're not like sliding all the way down they haven't had a year of the show like this guy has totally fallen off but some of the names in here like alvin Kamara, mike evans um and we talked about derrick henry a little bit yeah but even just calvin ridley like i know people were high on him and i get it like you know he showed a lot of promise in atlanta he's an alabama receiver and for the most part those guys have been really good in the league but he was kind of eh, and I don't know whether that was just him or that team itself because it wasn't that, that good back then. Mm-hmm. Um, still isn't, by the way. And then, you know, Kamara being suspended, and he was kind of all over the place last year. I think he was my 
second running back that I took, and he was real fucking hit or miss. And you know what's funny? I uh, from because I am I am concerned about him. Um, what's because what's interesting is do you remember uh, Christmas Day game for the Saints? I think it was two years ago. Yeah, when he had six touchdowns. Yeah, Matthew Berry pointed this out, and I didn't even realize it until I heard it. How many touchdowns has he had over the last two years since that game? Is it six? It's six. Yeah. But here's my my reasoning is that if you look at the last two years, the quarterback situation has been fucking rough. Yeah, that's true. So Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton types. Derek Carr may not be great at everything, but I know this to be true. He can throw the ball deep. So Chris Olave, I'm big. Big, big on Chris Olave. Um, he led all rookie receivers in average depth of target last year. So he's going to get deep balls thrown to him. So, like, and he's going to catch some of them. So, yeah, um, he's going to be a big play guy. <clears throat> and then with Kamara, like, getting the balls out of the backfield. Now, like, he's got more competition now, and that makes me nervous, obviously. But they are still heavily invested in him financially. So Kendra Miller with their round pick um, out of TCU, and then you got Jamal Williams, who they signed, who's coming off of what eighteen touchdowns in Detroit. Um, it, it's there, there's risk to it, but like again, Kamara last year was a what top five pick, and I'm getting him in round six. Sure it's, was. <laughs> it, it feels safe enough to me, and like I think the Mike Evans pick was in round seven was honestly the one I felt the weirdest about. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I know that he, he – I mean, he's, again, 1,000 yards every single year of his career. Pretty incredible effort. Um, I think I'm hoping he gets traded. And I actually picked him over Godwin, which I only realized afterwards. I was like, I probably should have went with Godwin. Mm. But I think people are kind of don't, – don't kill me for this. I think people are kind of sleeping on Baker Mayfield a little bit. Just a little, okay? I think the change of scenery into Tampa will be good for him. There's enough weapons there that I think they can be a team that's going to be losing by 14 in the fourth quarter and puts up big fantasy numbers. So I I honestly think that Baker Mayfield will be more serviceable. I'm not going to tell you he's going to be good, but I think he will be more usable in fantasy than people kind of expect right now because I think people are looking at the Tampa Bay Bucks offense outside of maybe Rashad White and kind of just, you know, shrugging and going, I don't know. But I think they will be somewhat useful. That's a pretty bold take for a guy who has been on like two different teams prior to this. And again, don't mistake me saying that I think Baker Mayfield is going to make the Pro Bowl this year. Like, I, I mean, it's possible. Anything is possible, but like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he will just, at the end of the day, when the game is over, they might lose by three touchdowns, but he might have 20 fantasy points a week hmm. just because they are throwing at such a high volume. And I mean, like, again, you're throwing to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You know, I think I, I don't you're gonna think it's okay. Yeah, you're, yeah, it's not going to be the worst thing ever for you, you know. And Rashad White is one of the better checkdown receiving running backs, so he has an option there. I, I just like I just can't imagine it being that bad, right? Like I think they're going to be a bad team, but I just think that the offense will move enough in the fourth quarter when they're down 
that like at the end of the day in fantasy it doesn't really fucking matter you know what, it doesn't matter if you win with a 400 yard game or if you threw 400 yards because your team sucks it doesn't really matter yeah i just i don't know man i just have a hard time like <sighs> I have a really hard time putting any faith or hope into Baker Mayfield because there were plenty of games too in Cleveland where they were down big and they were like, all right, man, just go throw a bunch of yards. And he wasn't able to do that. Like, it's not like he was like, it's not like he was a Jameis Winston type who would throw for like 350 yards and five picks. Mm -hmm. It was the nine for 20 games with like 118, and like the just, accuracy that he had in college has somehow completely just evaporated from his game. And I mean, me personally, I think the next thing we hear from the bucks um, in April is Caleb Williams is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer um, because they're, they're going to suck. They, they're clearly going for Caleb Williams. Yeah. Um, and it will be Arizona a too. fucking pillow fight to see which one of those teams gets him. <laughs> yeah. Arizona too is in that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, I, I just – every year I try and find that team that's going to be just bad enough, you know, that's going to be bad enough that – like, because Arizona, like, they're starting either Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs. Like, the only person that is even somewhat usable is James Conner because they're going to throw to him a lot out yeah. of the backfield. But he's got the injury risk, so you do kind of worry a little bit about that. But like with Tampa, like I just I can't see it falling that far off the rails that fast, you know. And they were a Super Bowl team only a few years ago, and Their I know defense is still strong too. Right, defense is still pretty good. I I, I think again Baker Mayfield. I, I I don't think it worked out in Cleveland because Odell Beckham is one of the better improvisers out there. Okay, so like Odell Beckham can read a defense really well and will break off of his route if he doesn't like what he sees and go find something else. I don't think Baker Mayfield likes that. I think he likes the train to run on schedule. I think right. he likes the 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 actual symmetry to it all. That's why he was really good with Jarvis Landry because Jarvis Landry was just running routes that he was designed to run. So with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin – I think he will pair better than I think everyone kind of got off because of the Odell Beckham thing. And then what? He went to Carolina. What the hell was there in Carolina to do? Carolina yeah. Panthers are terrible. He goes to the Rams, by the way. One game goes off. Goes off. So again, I'm not, and uh, they're not going to keep him because they already had money owed to Stafford and everything like that. And he wanted an opportunity to start. So again, I understand the team jumping can kind of scare people off. I picked, I, it might, in my Superflex League, which is the Keeper League, Josh Allen is my QB1. Anthony Richardson is my QB2. Baker Mayfield is my QB3. Hmm. Okay. He's only going to start when Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson are either injured or on a, a bye week. But, like, at the end of the day, I feel pretty secure that he could go out there and give me something. You see, that? that's the confidence that I wish I had in a guy like him. Like... <laughs> It's you got to believe in yourself. And, and I think, you know, if you're willing to do that, I think that's great for you. Uh. <laughs> I mean, but listen, I mean, like, it's not like, it's not super crazy, honestly. Like the one week that Josh Allen's on by, he's going against Carolina. So I mean, mm. feel pretty good about that one. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you have to, I, I, I just, 
I, again, I could end up being completely fucking wrong, but like, it just, it's just a, it's just a feeling. So I got to, I kind of got to roll with it. Yeah. Um, just looking at this one more time, I think one of the guys that's going to be kind of a, a sleeper for you for this team. For some reason, I really like AJ Dillon. I hated him at Boston College, but I think he's not, you're not going to get like a, a zillion yards on the ground with him, but you are going to get touchdowns. And for a guy like him, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I think I think when you look at the Packers, again, another team that I – well, the, the Packers are a team that I think legitimately people are burying, and I don't know exactly why. Because Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at that too. I, I, I have faith in Jordan Love. I think he, Jordan Love can be pretty good. Um, I You know, again, the Packers are just one of those fucking teams. You just get lucky every single time with quarterbacks. So. Mm-hmm. And he, what, sat three years behind uh, Rodgers? So. Three – I, I want to say three, yeah. Favre went to the Jets. Rodgers started. And now Rodgers goes to the Jets and Jordan Love is starting. Funny how that worked out, right? Yeah. So I feel like I feel like Jordan Love is going to be at least serviceable. Um, they got some really interesting kids in uh, Christian Watson and Dobbs. Obviously, Aaron Jones being in front of A.J. Dillon caps him. But, like, and the one thing I noticed about A.J. Dillon is, like, despite being this big, burly running back, like, he doesn't really break a lot of tackles. And that kind of worries me. But I know that in the red zone, he's going to get usage because I was yeah. an Aaron Jones owner last year, and it was frustrating how many times he was taken out in the goal line. So, mm. Yeah, he could be a guy that like spot start if it's a really good matchup. If he's going against the Chargers or something, like you, you throw him in there and hope for the best. Yeah. All righty, sir. <clears throat> Let's move on to my team, um, Team Nightclub Submarine. What are your <laughs> thoughts? So, just looking off the the front of it, um, pick number twelve getting Bijan Robinson, and like I know you are not like super fucking jazzed about that. But I think he honestly has – I think he finishes the year as even, probably like top three running back because you just have to remember something about Atlanta. They're going to run the ball a lot. They ran the ball second most out of any other team in the league last year. And, like, I know everyone's worried about Tyler Algier and, and Cordell or Patterson. I wouldn't be, honestly, because mm-hmm. you don't draft a running back at eight overall in 2023 if you're not going to use him. And remember, Arthur Smith was the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator before he became the Falcons head coach. Derrick Henry, scheming him up pretty well. Yeah. I have faith that they're going to use Bajon Robinson early and often. They want to be a good team this year. They're not tanking. So he's going to be a big piece of that offense. And like, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being RB one at the end of the year. It really, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up becoming the number one overall player at the end of the year. Yeah. I think I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with the fact that he was my first pick only because I've watched some like reviews of like where he's gone in other leagues. And there were some where he's gone in like the top five, if not higher. And I think one of the, the X factors for him versus a guy like a Derrick Henry is like Bijan Robinson is also known as a pretty solid pass catcher too. And as somebody who can also run routes and play in a different way than a traditional like ground and pound rookie running back can. Mm. And he reminds me a lot of like a Saquon Barkley, albeit just a little bit bigger. Um, 
So I feel a little bit better about that pick than I did at the moment, but I felt really fucking squeezed, man. Like 12th pick in the draft, like all of the big name guys that were kind of off the board and I, I didn't love it, but I'm, I'm coming around to it now. And the good news was, is that as soon as I hit 12, I had the next pick too. So I can kind of be all over the place with it. 12, 12 is honestly a slept on position because it like, I like having that double, but also this year you were kind of benefiting from the fact that it was very wide receiver heavy at the top. True. So all these running backs kind of got pushed down a little bit. Obviously mm-hmm. McCaffrey and Eckler are only going to go so far because they are tier one guys. But then, you know, you had your pick between like, you know, Bijan, um, Saquon went right before you, which was surprising to me, but like Derrick Henry and Tony yep. Pollard and Travis Etienne, guys like that. So I think you made the right choice though with Bijan. Um, so you picked AJ Brown right, right on, right after the turn. And again, another guy who is going to be a huge part in one of the best leagues, best offenses. So I, it doesn't matter about Devonte Smith. It doesn't matter about who they have at running back. Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown have that connection. So like, I honestly didn't get any shares of AJ Brown this year and I'm a little kind of pissed, but um, just continually one of the better, you know, 50, 50 guys in this league. He's not going to run past you or anything like that, but like, he's just so strong at the point of the point of the attack. Um, I, I, I love it. Your third round pick though. I like it. I like the player. I don't like what the team did this off season. Yeah. I will say too, if I can defend this one, it was between this individual and mm-hmm. somebody else who I did not like. Let me see who it was. I want to see if I can guess who that is because I'm actually interested. Was it Aaron Jones, by the way? Um, or J.K. Dobbins? I th- no, it wasn't them. Where is the 37th pick? Justin Herbert. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Oh, so 35 was Hawkinson and 38 was who? 38, where are you? T. Higgins. So yeah, um, it felt a little high to be going for a number two wide receiver, and it felt a little high, too, to be going for a um, – to go for a – to, for a tight end and I had, I had yeah. Stevenson on a team two years ago and mm-hmm. he did really, really well, except he was also sharing the backfield with Damien Harris. That's not the case anymore. Fucking and Harris. I think that team is just going to be so all over the place. Yes. They don't have the homeless person running the offense anymore, but Bill O'Brien is just equally as bad. Um, but there is one true thing that can happen is like Stevenson can run for a lot of yards on the ground if they just give him the ball more. And I Zeke Elliott's there. That's what worries me to eat, I guess. But um, <laughs> it looks like an offensive lineman. Yeah. So again, I didn't love this pick, but I there is one thing that I really try to do, and that's like solidify the running back position by guys who are going to at least get a majority of the carries. I don't want the number two running back on my team, a split carry guy. Um, So I might've gone a little high for Stevenson, but I feel better about this. I, I love Ramondre Stevenson as a player. I think he's amazing. And like, honestly, I, I was very excited. He was on my list of guys to, you know, target early in the draft 
until they signed Zeke. Mm-hmm. Because like with Damian Harris, who went to Buffalo and kind of kills James Cook's uh, upside, um, <clears throat> he was a guy that I was like really targeting. And that like, you know, you always worry with Bill Belichick and running backs, like he can be kind of fickle. Um, and sometimes like one guy would get big upside over the other. When Damian Harris left, I was like, this is great. The goal, the goal line thief is gone. Yeah. And then they bring in Zeke Elliott. Look, I mean, if they're going to use him, where are they going to use him? They're either going to use him on third down and pass protection because that's what Zeke does pretty well, or they're going to just let him plot into the end zone and get the touchdown. So, like, it could be – we were just talking about uh, Mike Tolbert, Mm -hmm. you know, the other day. We were talking about Mike Tolbert and Ryan Matthews, you know, the the, the vulture. Like, he could end up – I mean, Ramondre is a good – uh, goal line back, but like I could just see Zeke Elliott vulturing his upside, and that's what makes me nervous. Is that you really do have to like look at it and kind of cap his upside a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was just looking at it too. I think it's, I feel a little bit better about it because in our league, nobody has picked up Zeke Elliott in the draft. I'm, and maybe somebody yeah. has recently picked him up in free agency, but. I could also see him – I could see this going two ways, right? I could see him being like a touchdown thief, goal line guy. I could also see him just essentially like disappearing off of the depth chart because that also happens in New England too where you think these guys that, you know, they were stars on other teams and they play a couple of games for New England. They end up getting cut or just buried in the depth chart because they don't play the way Bill Belichick wants them to play. The best example yeah. of that could probably be like – Chad Johnson was on the Patriots for like a week and a cup of coffee. Right. Uh, there were a couple other guys too, in the last couple of years that were like big name wide receivers that went to new England and they just couldn't figure out the system and they got released or they got dumped. So I'm, I'm really curious to see, cause I'm not as high on Zeke Elliott as other people. Like I think last year showed a lot of people that he is, really on the tail end of his career. Yeah. And I don't think they they're trying to win games. They're not trying to make sure that Zeke is happy. So I, I, I agree. I just I my my thing is so much that like if Zeke had went to like anywhere else, like imagine he goes to Cincinnati, I'm like, I don't think it affects Joe Mixon one bit. Right. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't think that because like I just know but like with Bill Palachek, man, I just don't fucking trust him with running backs like we could walk in week one and then zeke Elliott gets the first 15 carries and like what the fuck is going on why isn't Ramondre in the game is he injured is he suspended and it's like no he just is comes he, in, later is in, he in the building anymore right. yeah <laughs> did they trade him and not tell anybody like i could just see that happening and people's heads there's always one thing week one where people's fucking heads explode like what the fuck and like bill belichick's usually the culprit behind that so it would yeah. not shock me if like Zeke Elliott gets like a lion share of the snaps week one, you know, for, for new England. So it's just one of those things, man. Like I, again, if he, if he is who he was last year, it's a great pick, but like mm-hmm. Bill Belichick just makes me nervous, but to go to your fourth round pick, you took a quarterback in the round four two. Justin Herbert. I don't think you can go wrong. I think he's poised for a big year. I feel like I had to do that one too, because that's when the run started. The, yeah. The yeah. Round before. And, there's only so many guys that I kind of value in that first, you know, six rounds, like yep. before it's like, all right, like kind of like my, my position was where I'm like, I'm not taking some guy here in round seven that doesn't deserve it. So 
Um, Justin Herbert, Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, was with Dallas for a couple of years. So he was definitely the scapegoat of Mike McCarthy. So good things for the Chargers that they get him for nothing. Um, and then, you know, you add the fact that like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and then now they added Quentin Johnston in the draft. Um, they're, they're stacked, man. They're really stacked. Hopefully their offensive line is healthy. I know they lost a couple guys last year to uh, injuries. So, but I mean, and Herbert was like, everyone was talking about the bad year that Herbert had, but like he was not a hundred percent either last year. So like, I think you have to kind of like take that into account. Yeah. The only thing that was like truly down 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 was the touchdowns and like for sure sacks were up but i mean he had a career high in completion percentage and Mm -hmm. for the most part like the team was i mean he did fine he did exactly what he needed to do to win like they're gonna score a shit ton of points this year question is though it's not fantasy related but like they're not gonna be able to stop anybody either because that defense is which just means that they have to throw more right (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, Joe Lombardi was the offensive coordinator there. I'm not a big fan of his. This is why I'm, I don't really have any Denver shares this year because he is mm-hmm. now the offensive coordinator there. I think I, th- I don't think they were really like maximizing the the real potential there with yeah. uh, a guy like Justin Herbert. So I th- I th- I'm big on him. I think it's a big bounce back year for Justin Herbert. Word. Um, so Brees Hall in round five. Uh, I, again, just if he didn't tear his ACL, he would you wouldn't be getting him in round five, right? Uh, but like, if just what is the split going to be between him and Dalvin Cook? I just don't fucking know. And like, that's the thing that makes me nervous is like you have these two guys in Stevenson and Brees Hall who could be just absolute monsters or second fiddles. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think less with Ramondre Stevenson, but he'll be a second fiddle. But like, I just, my only concern about Brees Hall is that like, if he's not a hundred and ten percent, do they lean on Dalvin Cook? You know, and do they maybe like say to Brees like twenty twenty four is going to be your year? You know, the one year removed from the ACL always makes me nervous because typically it's the year after that is when they finally hit their peak. But yeah. I think for me, I saw him there, and again, he had such a good rookie year before he got hurt. I was thinking, like, I cannot not take him here. Yeah. Because the alternative was James Conner, and oh, I'm, I'm good on that. I've had James Conner in the past and didn't like that. And the guy after him was Alvin Kamara, too, who you took, and mm. I had him last year, and I was not feeling that. So my philosophy behind Brees Hall – like picking him up there was like, I got guys who can cover me for the first half of the season. Yeah. And if Brees Hall starts to come on and Dalvin cook starts to fade, because that's kind of how it was last year too. Like now I have a guy who can, I can just drop in the flex and know that I'm going to get a majority of the touches from him. And you're going to get get a competitive running back on top of Stevenson and Bijan. So it almost was like, I wasn't forced necessarily to take him there, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't want to let him go. And then like week eight, he's on like the resurgence path. Like if I'm going to be the one to fuck that up, I want him to be on my team Hmm. versus like, I'm watching somebody else beat my ass with him. I, I totally get it. I I get it. And that's, that's why I I can't really blame you for doing it because like someone was going to do it. And if he ends up being, 
who he was last year. Um, he, I mean, he again, I honestly, I was, I was watching him last year. I had him in one league and, uh, I was, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this kid is going to be the a top three fantasy pick next year. Yeah. Just because of how much uncertainty there is at running back a lot of times. Like honestly, McCaffrey or Brees Hall, I might like lean more towards Brees Hall, but then he tears his ACL and it's like, fuck. Yeah. Like, here we go again. Um, so again, I, I like the upside, but like, yeah, it just, it just worries me just, a, just a tad. Um, so then going to round six, you had Dallas Goddard. This one, I think, I think you kind of felt the tight end starting to dwindle. Um, it, round six is a little rich for me for, for Dallas Goddard, but like, still think he's going to be a big functional part of that offense for sure. But you also now have two Eagles, which not a bad thing. You know, if you're going to pick from the best offense in the league, which, right. you know, they were last year. It's not the worst thing, but like I think the only thing you have to worry about is that if Philly has like a bad game, you your team is going to be feeling that the most. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. I I was you are exactly right. I was feeling the squeeze on that because the guys that went before him were. I was just looking at this. Um, Mark Andrews third round. Uh, George Kittle fifth round, Darren mm-hmm. Waller fourth round. I think mm-hmm. that was a bit of a that was exce- that was excessive, yeah. Um, and then Hawkinson in the third round also excessive, but he's pretty, like he's he's good though. But I don't know if he's that good. Um, and Kelsey was in here somewhere too, but Kelsey was first round. Yeah, but I mean, again, like I feel like. I feel like the tight end position, there are so many guys that are going to be like 40 yards and maybe a touchdown kind of dudes. And there's not a lot of like 90 plus receiving yards and touchdown every week. And just how explosive the Philadelphia offense was. I figured like, well, he's going to catch He's going to catch something and he's going to mm-hmm. at least get a piece of that action. And I think at that time I was just like, I, I don't love all those other places. Like I had Pat Fairmuth last year and that was, I probably shouldn't have judged so hard last year, but he was kind of like the odd man out for most of the year just because they had that rotation of quarterbacks. Um, and then I just wasn't, I wasn't digging anybody else. I wasn't vibing on anybody else. And, and I think like Evan Ingram went in the sixth round too. That's I would high. Yeah, I'd still like to see another year of like good production from him before I like even consider taking him at that level because I just remember Evan Ingram as a giant and he was he was ass. And he had one good year in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean like they they know how to use him for sure, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Uh, you know, obviously Doug Peterson who uh, does a really nice job with with tight ends, but. Yeah, I six round for Evan Ingram. I got Evan Ingram in one of my leagues last year in round like fourteen. Like, I mean, I got tight ends or tight ends, and like Firemuth. I'm a little bit more bullish on Firemuth than I think you are, just because I looked at last year his average yard per reception went up from eight point three to eleven point six. He had like twenty something more targets um, than he did last year. The only thing was his touchdowns went down. So I think if you if he gets closer to where he was rookie year with seven, then like he's going to be a top five tight end. But like Darnell Washington also makes me a little nervous. They drafted him kind of high, but he's more of a blocker than anything else. But, but yeah, no, I, I did. And look, Dallas Goddard is 
one of the more athletic tight ends in the league. So I honestly, again, it's not, it's not a bad pick. It's just that like, I think you just, I think you would have probably preferred to get Goddard a little bit later. Yes, I would agree. I would concur with you. Yeah. A lot of peer pressure in this league, frankly. It happens, man. Like you, like it, every year I tell myself I'm not going to succumb to the, the pressure of like the runs and then like it happens and then you mm-hmm. like get caught in that moment. You're like, fuck, I gotta, I, I either have to like lean into it. Like I did in the other league with quarterbacks or you, you have to just kind of jump on the train. And yep. so like you jumped on the train, which again, if you didn't, you would be working with like some rookie tight end, like Dalton Kincaid or some shit, you know? Logan Thomas or some shit like that. Which is like the variances on those are like they could walk away with three points a week. So mm-hmm. at least with Goddard, you probably know he's got a touchdown upside every week. Yeah. Um, so Mike Williams, um, I like it. Again, stacking him with Justin Herbert. He's your wide receiver two, which is kind of where you want him to be. Um, he's got one wide receiver one talent and he has those games, but he's just kind of a high variance guy. But like that Herbert stack is is really nice. I like yeah. I like him better than Keenan Allen this year for sure. Agreed. Like I've had Keenan Allen in the past, and he's a guaranteed injury. Yeah, I just you know, and I, you know his efficiency is not the same as what, what he was a couple of years ago. But uh, I still like Keenan Allen, but I just don't think he's going to be that guy. So and yeah, you, you followed up with getting another receiver, George Pickens, um, who would kind of slide in more of like a flex for you. I, I'm I again I'm bullish on the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I think Ken, I think Kenny Pickett will be better. Um, I think between Warren and, and Harris, and then Deontay Johnson and and uh, George Pickens and Fryermuth, I think and offensive lines much better this year. I'm much higher on the Steelers this year than I was last year. I wanted nothing to do with the Steelers last year. Yeah. Um, and all summer we heard about how great George Pickens is and how he's the he's best great. receiver in the league. I'm like, all right, well, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. And I saw him there, and I was like, all right, let's, let's get yeah. a whirl. Yeah, honestly, I think I think round eight is good for him uh, because you know you just like he's going to get volume. He's not going to be a guy who ends up flaming out, but like it's just a question of is he going to ascend, and mm-hmm. that's that's the real question. But I think if anybody's if any year two receiver is going to. Um, he's probably the best to do it. Yeah, I'd agree. So you went another receiver um, round nine, Zay Flowers, rookie out of Boston College to the Ravens. Again, one of, he was my wide receiver one coming out. So tell me what you liked about Zay Flowers. Um, well, having watched him at Boston College, um, he's awesome. And even like the reports that were coming out of camp that was like, this guy is legit. Like he's, he's got number one talent there. Honestly, I was split between him and OBJ. And I remember Mm. asking you like, is OBJ going to be any good this year? And it was you and Philly. They're like, we we have no idea. So I said, okay, Mm. well, OBJ has been hurt like every year for the last three years. Let's go after the guy that people are starting to like, and there's a lot of hype around. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be a guy who I – I don't know if he's going to be a guy who's consistently in the lineup. Um, but I wanted him on the team for the upside that he's he has. And I think 
the more athletic receivers that they put in front of Lamar Jackson, the better Lamar Jackson's going to be. I think that offense is going to be really good too. Like they've brought in some serious weapons. They paid Lamar and I think having a young receiver there is going to be really helpful to push all those other guys as well. I yeah, mean, they just they just called Zay Flowers like a, a technician. Like he's a guy who is very technical. He's very into his game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like guys like that, particularly in the later rounds, because these are the ones that he might not blow you away like physically, but he's yeah. going to get around some guys because he, he thinks a little bit more. He's 5'9", though, 182. Uh, it's a little small for me, particularly yes. talking about wide receivers. Um, but I think he's got enough shiftiness where he's going to be able to get around some dudes. You know who they also call it small? Steve Smith. And that's who he reminds True. me of. He reminds me a lot of, of Steve Smith. Um, he's got that fucking dog in him. You know, he's just a tough kid. Yeah. Uh, Todd Munkin is now the offense coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens fans, if you're listening, please cover your ears. Greg Roman is no longer there. You know, Greg Roman was a very sensitive subject to a lot of Ravens fans. Um, I expect that he was he was just in Georgia the last two years, which yep. winning national titles. They're gonna throw the ball more. Mm-hmm. And that has been kind of the been the bugaboo for a lot of people with with the Ravens, is that like they just run the ball too much. They go out there, they go get Odell Beckham. I don't know what Odell Beckham's gonna be. It's just a lot of ACL injuries back to back. I, I honestly don't know. I think he can still be a useful receiver. I don't think he's he's not going to be Odell Beckham circa 2013. Like you yeah. have to have your expectations capped. Rashad Bateman, if he can stay healthy, which has been tough for him, he's he showed a lot of promise last year. And then you take into account with Zay Flowers. I think when you spend a first round pick on a on a rookie wide receiver, you know, a guy who was a senior in college, you know, not some young kid, he's 22, 23 years old. They're going to want to get him involved early and often. And I think the fear of Bateman, who's like a, a seam stretcher, and then OBJ, who's just kind of OBJ, it leaves a lot of underneath room for him. So I think I expect him to go into 11 formation a lot, a lot of three wide receiver, one tight end sets, and I think that's they're going to be a lot of their base. And I think Lamar is going to fucking throw the ball a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're actually going to be surprised how much he throws the ball. So um I, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm, I was a huge Jay Flowers fan. I was rooting for him to end up on the Giants, so I'm clearly very, very big on him in Baltimore this year. Yeah, I was. I remember you were talking about him, and also just the. This is probably one of the years I've paid more attention to what like is being said in training camp and some yeah. of the OTA stuff, and people were really, really impressed with him. So he's he's great. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't shock me if he's wide receiver one from this class. Really wouldn't. Yeah. And so you went back the, to running. This is yeah. kind of where the wheels fall off. <laughs> I don't know about that, but like there was, um, I, I think Herbert's a fine pick at, in round 10. I like, mm. honestly, I don't know what Chicago is doing. Like everyone's saying Rashawn Johnson's going to have that job very quickly. Wouldn't shock me. He's very good at Texas. But I think Herbert's going to be involved. So I I don't know. He's he's, given them no reason not to be. He when he's played, um, he's a guy who can break tackles. He gets yards after contact, which to me is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I think he averaged like five 
some yards per carry. Um, so yeah, 5.7 yards per carry. Yep. Clearly very talented, but it's just a matter of like, there's a difference between being the change of pace guy and being the guy. So is he going to get enough volume? Um, and then you have to worry about Justin Fields taking away some of the running stuff away from him. Um, round 10, again, like John, like I said with Jonathan Taylor, like you take a risk on a guy in round 10, like it's, it's round 10. You're, you're shooting for lottery picks at this point. Yeah. Um, we cannot, we, we don't have to talk about Michael Mayer cause I already cut him. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Who did you? So your 11th round pick Michael Mayer, the tight end from Vegas, uh, the rookie out of Notre Dame. Who did you cut him for? Higby. Tyler Higby. Good. So yeah. if you imagine you take Tyler Higby here, honestly, that's, that's good on you. Yeah. I was, um, I, I had known that Mayer was good at Notre Dame, but I, I, got into him because I was like, well, Garoppolo is going to lean on him because he's like a short thrower and he, he did well with George Kittle and Mayer is going to be a guy who can kind of fill that role. It's more of just me not having faith in that team. Um, I, I have no confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo. I have no confidence in the coaching staff there. And honestly, I didn't, I saw Higby there. You know, Stafford is healthy, so to like, so so they say, and um, I just did not want to hitch my wagon to the Raiders because it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a long year for them there. And rookie tight ends are universally very fickle. You can yeah. get a good really one. Hit or miss. Yeah, it's just, but it's very rare that one hit even hits. Like, you know, Kyle Pitts was the last guy we were talking about as like he's the best tight end to come out in years and he didn't do anything in the first two years and then it was oj howard a couple years before that and it's like these guys come in um i like i like michael mayer but yeah i think you made the right choice there higby without without cooper cup we don't know what cooper cup's doing right now i don't know what's going he went to the mayo clinic like you don't go to the mayo clinic to check on your hamstring to like unless you are like really 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 in rush shape yeah so um, I think he's getting a second opinion. I would imagine Cooper Cup's going to probably be out for a couple weeks. Van Jefferson might be a smart pickup for somebody who's listening. Absolutely, yeah. If if Van Jefferson has not been jumped on, I would say they got to throw to somebody. And Higby looks like a guy who's going to probably get a lot of usage. So until at least until Cup comes back. So that was a good pickup for you. You went for the Philadelphia defense, 72 sacks last year I think they had. Um, I think there is expected to be some regression with the schedule, but how much? Probably not a ton. So it's a good defense to get there. Um, the week one matchup is against New England. Um, not mad at I, that. No, no. And honestly, <laughs> for me, like I, I drafted the commanders, and in large part I drafted – You got Arizona week one. So I Arizona week one, I look at week one and I say, who's got the best week one. And I would say Clayton tune or um, Josh, Josh Dobbs. Dobbs going against the Washington front seven. I feel pretty good about having the Washington defense there. So, um, so I, I, for me, like not a bad week one matchup for you. I think you got some long-term value there too. So um, you followed up round 13 with Romeo Dobbs, uh, I will say he might be a guy that I cut pretty soon. He could be. You don't have to hold on to him, but I would say maybe let week one play out. 
Uh, yeah, but I two. did I did see somebody who we've talked about quite a bit on this show still available in our league. A guy mm. who gets a lot of catches and I'm interested to he's see. probably like Dobbs is not gonna be in the starting lineup and neither is this guy, but I like the option of him being there. So he's not in the starting lineup, this guy that you would be picking up. He's not. Interesting. Um Hmm. Hunter Renfro? He would not be in my starting lineup yet. Oh, but he's going to be starting for the team that he plays for. Correct. Oh, so it's Isaiah Hodgins then. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I figured as much because I was like, I was like, man, I, I know he's talked about Hodgins a bit, but if like Hodgins is going to start for the Giants. So. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hodgins is a guy that I love. Uh, obviously, um, I think he's. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, the one percent rostered Romeo Dobbs. I I feel like I was like outthinking myself when I made that. I'm like, there yeah. are other guys out there with like thirty or forty percent. Like Mike Williams is sixty five, so that's not great. But I would also say, um, I would also say honestly, if there's a guy, there's a rookie receiver. If you're looking for like a lottery ticket. Tank Dell is like I did not see Tank Dell go in any draft that I was in. Hmm. Um, it doesn't seem like he's being rostered a lot. The Houston Texans are going to throw like mind you, the Houston Texans do not own their first round pick next year. They traded it away to Arizona for to to draft uh, the pass rusher from Alabama. So they want to win every single game. Can you name me Tom? Name me name me a Houston receiver right now. Don't look anything up. Just name me a Houston. Too late. I'm already here. Um, <laughs> but the names that are here, Nico Collins was hurt all of last year. John Nico Mechie, Collins I like, but like I don't love Nico Collins. Uh, John Mechie the third was hurt on and he off. He had cancer. That too, yes. Um, so he wasn't really hurt. He was kind of indisposed. Yeah. Uh, Robert Woods. He, which, by the way, I think he's recovered from, so good for him. Yeah, he's playing again. Uh, Robert Woods, who's about 8,000 years old. So then you have Tank Dell, who was a third-round pick, 69 overall. Nice. Um, out of Houston. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, he's only five foot eight. He's only 165 pounds. He led the NCAA last year in receiving yards with 1,398 and touchdowns with 17. He gets open in the end zone. Yeah. So I think Tank Dell is going to be one of those guys that we're talking about. We're not talking about right now. No one's going to talk about Tank Dell. And then a couple weeks in, everyone's going to be talking about Tank Dell. Why didn't I just take a flyer on Tank Dell? Yeah. So I think that might be one that I, I look at. They have a shit ton of guys on IR, though, already. They might not want to lose games, but they are going to lose games. They're going to lose games badly. But like they definitely don't want to, so you know that they're not going in the tank. They're going to they be have, fighting for every game. They have one wide receiver who's on the injured reserve. They have a fullback who's on IR. They have one, two, three, four offensive linemen who are hurt, and yeah, they they're in a way right now. Mm -hmm. And their right tackle is questionable too. So cool. Yeah, I agree. So learn to code, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the guys are working for FedEx. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, yeah. So I mean, I, I look at Tank Dell. That's a guy. I think Hodgins is a great pickup. Um, he's he's going to be involved. Like, there's just no way that Hodgins. Just is seeing be like, and I know that we've talked about this a lot, but yeah. and you've watched more Giants games than I have, but just seeing like how that offense changed when he got into the starting lineup Huge. or started to get more reps, like yeah, it was, it was developing at a slower clip before he got there. But once he got there, everything seemed much more like cadence properly and smooth because you got a guy who's consistent and he can catch like just a big body, six, four, two thirty. Like he's going to be that guy who's going to be catching the, you know, the in and out uh, routes and like 10 to 12 yards. He's just going to be a volume guy. Because like Slayton, they're going to be trying to hit more, in, you know, deep down the field if they're going to take some shots there. Jalen Hyatt going to be the same thing. Um, Wandale and Sterling Shepard, like I, neither of those guys are 110% yet. So I expect that Hodgins is going to be one of those guys, especially early in the season, is going to get a lot of targets. So, um, so the 14th round pick was a little bit strange for me. Um, walk me through Chuba Hubbard. Um, what was the reason for, for that? I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, not really anything per se. It was mm-hmm. more so it's a name that I know because he, I've had him on a couple of teams. Right. And I think for me, I like that he is a guy that still on this team after a couple of years and there's not much of a gap between him and Miles Sanders, I will say. When I when I say that, like Miles Sanders, in my opinion, had one strong year in Philadelphia, but for the most part, he was kind of a serviceable back. He's mm. his his carries effectively doubled um from twenty twenty one to twenty two. Obviously, like numbers jumped, but the year before that, zero touchdowns. Um, and also too, like you're one injury away from being in the starting lineup and he's the number two Miles, guy. Miles Sanders is already, by the way, questionable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, six, one, two, ten. He's a big dude. Like, you know, 612 yards the year before less carries last year, but 466 yards. Like, I think he's, I think he's done enough to fight his way into any conversation. This team is going to suck too. Like let's, they're not going to be good. I have no faith in Bryce young. I know that he's a Heisman trophy winner and your number one overall pick. He also is like the size of a toddler. So they're going to have to run the ball a lot to protect him. I like Bryce Young. I think long term he can have value. I think he, like he's already shown that he he's got talent. But yeah, they're going to be rough this year. They're not going to be good. Um, so I don't think that this is going to be like a big year for them. Miles Sanders, like, was that the Philly effect that like that offensive line that run scheme is really good? Is he going to be able to do that? So yeah, Hubbard could be a, a volume guy. And at worst case, I think that he'll still get some pass catch work. Yeah. Um, so he'll like he could be a PPR, you know, fill in back, you know, your RB four, RB five. So I I don't hate it. Um, yeah. So I think I think I think that's good. And then Nick Nick Folk round fifteen. I don't think already cut about kickers. No, he's already gone. <laughs> yeah. Who, who did you who did you replace him with? Uh, let me. I can tell you right now. Uh, Greg Zerline. Greg Beleg. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
that's that's good. I think the Jets will probably have to lean on kickers in this game coming up. Buffalo's got a good defense, so they might settle for some field goals. Yeah. And then Derek Carr is your backup quarterback. I mean, again, round 16 to get Derek Carr, not bad. And, uh, you know, I've seen weirder things that, like, maybe he has, like, a really good season this year, you know. Yeah. I don't think he's going to beat out Justin Herbert, but you never know. Um, People get fucking hurt all the time in this league. I'm not saying that Herbert will get hurt, but I wanted to at least have a guy who was a solid starter with his previous team, and he's got fucking axe to grind too because he's pissed that he got traded very true yeah i i I think i think there was some definitely some uh definitely some like hurt feelings after that so uh but i mean the raiders i don't know if you saw today uh happened what happened yeah i I, the the weirdest fucking thing i've ever seen is like i'm telling you josh mcdaniels he comes some he comes to a place and he just he just absolutely destroys everything in his wake. Um, so apparently Chandler Jones was not allowed in the Raiders gym. And then like he said that they had contact with his uh, his baby's mother who like he doesn't even really talk to. Like, I mean, it's just very weird. But like Josh McDaniels, man, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Yeah, that... He's going to be fired at the end of this year because he's like a complete moron. He could have been fired last year and I wouldn't have raised an eyebrow. Right. I don't know, man. He's a nut. Um, What's your prediction for your team this year? How do you think you'll do? It's going to depend. Um, It's going to depend on a couple guys. Um, Like obviously like Diggs and Ridley have to be Diggs and Ridley. You know, Um, Ridley has to have that long layover, not affect him. And going to come down to Jonathan Taylor for me like because if if I'm pairing Stefan Diggs Calvin Ridley Derrick Henry and a healthy motivated Jonathan Taylor with Lamar Jackson at quarterback I don't think most weeks there's going to be many people who can beat me um but it's it's a big if so I think that's the thing for me is I'll I'll say right now middle of the pack and uh expectations or hope for more but uh until I see it I you know I can't really it, it, again, I, I'm perfectly fine with taking some chances sometimes because I usually play it pretty safe. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I thought this time it'd be kind of fun to just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I am serious when I say like your team has a lot of has a pretty tall ceiling. You just need to make sure all those guys are firing all at once. That's the thing. Yeah. How do you feel? Um, I like what I have, but. I think my biggest concern is this team going to score enough points. Mm. And I mean, that's obviously everybody's concern, right? But that that's where it goes into like Bijan Robinson, a rookie starting. Um, is he going to be able to carry the load for that team? Is AJ Brown going to be able to replicate what he did last year with the Eagles? Or is he going to be more like Tennessee Titans, AJ Brown, what happens with Stevenson and that whole split back thing? component is Brees hall gonna play is dallas goddard gonna get the receptions that he needs and breakthrough on the touchdown side of it um and then is mike williams gonna stay healthy is pickens gonna take the leap like i know we can do this all day with everybody's team but i think over the last couple years like i've drafted guys that have just not been able to score consistently week in and week out 
And I will say, like, not to toot my own horn, but very much I am already out of it early. So I am, like, hounding that waiver wire, and I'm, like, micro-analyzing a lot of these guys to be able to squeeze a little bit out of it. It worked more two years ago when I got into the championship game than it did last year, but it'd be real easy to put up like a 140 bag like week one and like, okay. But I also last year I scored like 75 points the first week. Yeah. It's, it's rough. I mean, if you are going to have a bad game, let it be week one, you get the best waiver pickup, you know, True, but like, it's it is demoralizing when you draft a team and like especially if you look at it like I don't even really look at this team and go like man I fucking nailed it I look at it and it's like it's good you know but like it's really bad when you drafted a team and you're like fucking Mona Lisa like this could go in the fucking Louvre right now because it's so beautiful and then you go out there and you get fucking shelled week one yeah like, I don't care about getting outscored like if you if I put up 140 put up 142 like whatever I'm I'll be back in it next week. But if you can't even break, like, triple digits. If you can't even break 80 points, which has happened, it's like, fuck, man. Like, I'm done. I'm sunk. Yeah. So, and it's going to happen. But, like, so let it happen early. But then, like, you need to see that rapid progression. Or you need to get a a waiver claim that is going to change the outlook of your team. Yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, Yahoo said I did okay in ours. It says I have a 63% chance of making the playoffs. Like, I will... I don't know if that's necessarily true. So, you know, we'll play every game like we're down a run, play every game like we're down a touchdown, and I'm going to um, yeah, yell at they, our team. They gave me a B minus, and they said I'm going to go seven and seven. So that's kind of where I said I'm middle of the pack. So, yeah, what was the number they gave me? I, they said uh, projected win record of nine and five. Oh, there you go. That's better. I don't buy that though. Like I don't see that. No, I'm going to tell you right now, because the one, the one, uh, the one draft I did before I got a D minus, and it said I was going to win one game. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened to me. Don't last like that. Year. Don't that like happened that. to me. That happened to me last year too, and I won. I won that league. So I, again, Yahoo has an algorithm that tells them what is good and what is bad, but it doesn't really necessarily relate to what is actually good and what is actually bad. So right. Uh, it said my best draft pick was Brees Hall, who is hurt, and Justin Herbert, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, is my worst pick. They said Jonathan Taylor was my best draft pick. Wow. <laughs> which makes sense based on his ADP and where I got him. And uh, my worst draft pick was Alvin Kamara, mm. which tailed to, you know, those are the two big wild cards on my team. So yeah, Chat GPT generated uh, 100%. article. So yeah, it's, this it's, is like it's not even good anymore. It used to be like entertaining to read those. Like it, it, a lot of stuff is like left out now. Yeah, it's all about bullshit. So, all right, that's our fantasy review of our draft. We hope you all enjoyed that conversation. Um, Q, before we go and go to assholes and picks of the week. The NFL season is starting Mm -hmm. Thursday. Yep. Uh, Give us like a last minute update on the Giants. Uh, Right now, seems like everything is good to go. Um, They don't really have anybody that's injured. Um, Cole Beasley was put on IR, but like that's not a huge loss to me. 
the cuts, I don't think there was really any really surprising cuts, to tell you the truth. Um, I think everything kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Um, so I, I think we're kind of geared up. I want to point out that we have not beat – the Giants have not beaten Dak Prescott since he was a rookie. I think mm. it's the last 12 appearances. Uh, they have lost to the Cowboys. This is not like you can't call week one a must win, right? But if the Giants are going like if they win this game, that's when I will believe wholeheartedly that the like everything has changed. I still think long term with Dable and Shane, they're they're in a good spot. But like if if I'm to believe that this is the year that they're gonna like change it up and like they're gonna actually go for it, um, go out there and beat the Cowboys. Like yeah. Got to beat him. You can't keep going because, like, also it's at home. So the next game against them will be in Jerry World, which is going to be even tougher. So it's like if you're not going to beat them at home, you're not going to beat them in Jerry World. So Giants did a really good job against Tennessee last year in Week One. I want to see the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be um, a continuously good year for them. I think that I hope so. I hope so, but I mean, again, it's 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 gonna it's gonna come down to I have to see it to believe it at this point. So, um, but again, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm more hopeful than I've ever been. So it feels good. But uh, you're obviously walking in with a rookie quarterback. So I mean, but you got Arizona Week One. So I think you have to feel pretty good. Yeah, it's an easy start for them, and I'm excited for what the offense is going to be able to do. New quarterback, new owner, new offensive coordinator. There's a lot of like turnover for the better for this team a couple other glaring concerns would be chase young got a stinger in the week one preseason game and he's still not over it and um i mean i just like there the team is not saying a whole lot there's not a whole lot of updates out there the big concern is like are you going to play and how long is the stinger going to last for because if he is still he's still not clear to play and I just don't understand what's the issue here. And I don't mean to put the cart before the horse so quickly, but it doesn't seem like a terrible um, choice that the commanders made to not offer him hits that fifth year extension because I mean, a, a relatively like generic injury has now taken him out of like four weeks of practice. And again, coming back from the ACL tear, he effectively missed two years. And now this, like, it's just more of the same at this point. And your best, the value he brings to the team would be availability and he's not available right now. So that is the thing, right? Like, I think people underestimate like the value of being there. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you're not like an elite player, like just being on the field is like just such an elite trait. Like, cause no one like, but there's so many guys that just can't do it. And, like, you know, Chase Young is still young, but, like, man, like, it's just after a while, it's what, year four, and it's like you're still just not on the field. It's it's just either your body's given up on you or you're just not willing to power through. And so it's like either way, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for him. But, uh, you know, uh, again, it's still early. Still chance. Do you think Terry's going to suit up week one? Um, I don't think so. And I think this is a game that he's day to day right now. I think he doesn't play. I don't think they really need him to. I mean, no. they have Jahan Dotson there, Curtis Samuel, they do Diami Brown. They can cover it. Um, 
And honestly, too, if there's a game that Chase Young is going to miss, this is probably one to miss as well. Um, but I'm excited. Um, I think this team is going to be better than what people are saying. Some folks are calling the ceiling like 10 and 7. Basement's going to be 5 and 12. I think both of those are a little extreme, but mm. um, I think they will certainly be better than how they've been. And the the ownership has just said they're going to put $40 million into the stadium. So That's this, good. the game is sold out. It's a new day. It's a new era. Prepare your bodies, folks. <laughs> um, okay, let's move to assholes of the week. Q, why don't you get us kicked off? Uh, I'm actually going to do rare, rare hero of the week and the federal court system <laughs> that wow. just blocked a newly drawn congressional map uh, in Alabama and is going to essentially redraw it themselves now to allow for a, a new black congressional seat to open up. Um, it's a five, four decision in June uh, by the Supreme court. And basically Alabama basically just decided just like, Oh, we don't have to listen to you. <laughs> and they started kind of doing their own thing. So now they are, uh, they're actually kind of stepping in. Um, it, they basically were trying to redraw the Supreme Court. Basically, the judge wrote that they were disturbed by Alabama's actions, which is, again, to think that how much you have to disturb. Uh, <laughs> we quote, we are deeply troubled that this, the state enacted a map that, state, that the state readily admits does not provide the remedy we, we said federal law requires. Two judges who were appointed by Donald Trump said that. Uh, well, we were disappointed in today's decision. We strongly believe that the legislature's map complies with the Voting Rights Act. So the, the Alabama, Alabama Attorney General tried to like defend it, but now here we are in the situation where they're going to ultimately step in again for the, the conservatives to basically go on and on and on about how we need to adhere to everything the court says. We need to follow the court, and like the idea of expanding the court or changing the court is absolutely like. Like it's impossible. You can't do it. Now they're they're willing to buck the the courts because it actually suits their needs. So, but again, for them to actually step in here, I'm actually like for once kind of like proud of the Supreme Court for actually doing it. So, um, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, it looks like there could be some big changes coming in Alabama. Yeah, and this also happened too in North Carolina a couple of years ago where, um. The Republicans drew a absolutely fucking insane congressional district, and the federal court was like, "No, you you can't use this." Yeah, and the gerrymandering component, like everyone says that you know both parties do this, but in reality, there's one party that does this the most, and it's the most egregious way to do it. You mm -hmm. can. There are so many congressional districts that are just like completely fucking bananas. I think Jim Jordan's is like all over the place too. Yep. So, I mean, this is this is great to hear. I'm hoping that this is something that happens more and more because a lot of these congressional districts are being redrawn every five or seven years or something like that. So, yep. um, but to do it so blatantly is really interesting because they thought that they were going to be able to get away with this because – they just so happen to be in the same party as the former president who appointed these judges. But yep. um, yeah. And again, like the idea that you can just somehow buck the court's decision, like uh -huh. if, or if we're, if we're, if that's the case and we can buck the decision, then you know what? Like Roe is no longer eliminated. Yeah. 
cool. I just said it. So it's true, right? Like, <laughs> and again, like they open the door, but it's amazing how like they'll be the first ones to call it out if they see it on the other side. It's, Absolutely. It's fascinating. So. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of that plays out and what's the map that ends up getting drawn. Absolutely. Um, so my asshole of the week, it was college football that started this week. Week zero is not real because it's all bullshit games. Week one, very exciting stuff. But you can already tell that the hype train for certain people who are head coaches and players of specific teams They've already created the narrative that the world is doubting them and they don't believe in them. And there are two assholes of the week that I have here. First and foremost, JJ McCarthy from the University of Michigan Wolverines mm -hmm. got off the bus wearing a Jim Harbaugh shirt and duct taped on there. It said free Harbaugh. The first play of the game they ran, they all lined up 11 in a row and put their fingers up for the number four for Jim Harbaugh because that was the number that he had while he was there. And then at the end of the game in the post-game press conference, J.J. McCarthy had his fucking free Harbaugh shirt on. He just said, I, I just want my head coach back. Jim Harbaugh was suspended not, from the NC, not by the NCAA, but by the University of Michigan themselves for three games for a recruiting violation that he committed, and he lied to the investigators about. And to say that, to make the notion that Jim Harbaugh was like thrown in jail for like war crimes or thought by the thought police is not the case. Like your boy broke the law. Your boy broke the rules. He got suspended for it. He was going to get four games, but he ended up only getting three and the university did it to him too. And I have my thoughts about university of Michigan football. I think they're the fucking softest people around because they are one of the schools that constantly like aligns themselves with like the Alabamas and the university of Florida's and the LSU's of the world, like the Ohio States where they have won all of these championships and all these national championships are, are in the display cases. They have won in 1997. Shut up guys. You are essentially like the university of fucking Maryland. Relax. The second person out there is another person who got all jammed up because people weren't believing in him, and rightfully so, Deion Sanders. Mm. So Colorado Boulder played TCU, a team that was in the national championship game last year. They were not favored to win. Boulder ends up winning. Fantastic stuff. Love that. Deion's son, Shea Sanders, throws for 500 fucking yards and three touchdowns. Uh, tra uh, Travis, Travis Hunter. Hunter. Monster. Yeah. I don't know what position he's going to play in the NFL, but he's going to play all of them. And totally. the response that Deion Sanders gave to a question that was asked in the post-game press conference, he was like shouting at this reporter. And Mike Freeman, who's a guy, who's a NFL journalist who I follow on Twitter, he said, it's not the responsibility of the press corps to ask you the easy questions. It's not the responsibility of the press corps or the journalists to carry the water for your team. And I need everybody to realize like the reason why TCU is favored to win that game is because on paper, they are a better team. Colorado had 55 people transfer into that school. Doesn't mean all 55 of them are any good. The bottom line is, is these coaches that create this narrative that no one believes in us and all this bullshit, like 
you all need to fucking calm down and recognize like, hey, we were able to pull one out. We were able to catch TCU sleeping week one. That's not going to happen again. And J.J. McCarthy just being a fucking five-year-old, like both of these people are my assholes of the week just because of like the thought process that they had to put in to somehow being the fucking victims is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's always so silly to me. Um, <laughs> it's like it is it is the most common like approach to like, oh, like no one believes in us when it's like, yeah, you're Alabama and it's like, dude, no one fucking on. <laughs> like – Every like you're and also the week one, like they can do that. They can like take those plays off because it's week one and they're not going against anybody of note. But do that in a game where you're going against somebody like actually legit, and then I'll I'll actually, I'll actually respect it. But like, yeah, and uh, Dion, like I again amazing what he's doing. Yeah. Huge respect. But like it's just it's just a little too much with the like okay, we get it, man. No one believed in you. But, like, at the end of the day, like, it, it, they're right. It is not the responsibility of the press corps to just fillet you the entire time. Like, it's not. Like, they're, they're, it's fine to have some doubts. But, like, yeah, now guess what? Everyone's going to be talking about how you were yelling at the reporters instead of actually winning the game. So it's like yeah. you end up spiting yourself by doing this because uh, people would instantly change their, their directive after that win. Yeah. So it annoyed me from both those fucking clowns, JJ McCarthy, particularly because like it just screamed like privileged baby. Yeah. But let's move on to picks here. Who you got? I actually recently caught uh, the movie, no hard feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle. Um, it's like, it's, it's basically a throwback to like early two thousands, like sex comedies. It's really fucking stupid. But I, I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, and like credit to Jennifer Warrens for like kind of going out. Like she's she's doesn't have to do a movie like this. Like she's you know a little bit more famous and like she she nailed the the, the comedic bits to it. So and like it again, it was really stupid, but it was really fun. Nice. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, why is she in that movie? I don't know why she's in that, but again, did it make any? Did it make any money? That's a good question. I actually am curious. I assumed it did because, like, it seems like a movie that would make money. Let me actually look that up real quick. Because, like, I think people were kind of like, they don't really make those type of movies anymore. Like, uh, remember, Sex Drive came out a couple yep. like, a long time ago. So, a forty-five million dollar budget made eighty-seven. So, eh, it made it made a little bit of money when you consider everything. You see, I miss movies like this, though. Like, it's not that deep. It's just a movie to entertain you for a short period of time. Yep. It's it's not terribly long either. It's a movie that you can watch in the afternoon or you can go to the movies. Yeah. 103 minutes. Eh, it's a little long, but um, I mean, it's, it's not going to be like an emotional roller coaster of what like so many movies are now. Right. It's not an Oppenheimer. It's not a Barbie. It's not a Marvel movie or a DC movie. And frankly, I appreciate a movie like this coming out, whether it's good or bad. The fact that somebody's willing to take a chance on it. And Jennifer Lawrence was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's see what happens. And they doubled their money. Pretty amazing, right? Like, yeah, ultimately it's, uh, it was just, it was just a really fun movie. Like, I, I, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And it ended up being that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that's out now too, so I can check that out. Yeah, it's available um, for rent. Yep. 
My pick of the week is going to be a podcast. So I've recently gotten into the Chaluminati podcast. So it's really fucking funny. It's a podcast where they talk about literally everything related to conspiracy theories, talk about ghosts, serial killers, like any kind of like modern day lore or contemporary history that has a little bit of like shadiness to it, they get into. They had a two part episode on the JFK assassination that was really, really interesting. I just finished an episode that um, came out last week where they were talking about a lot of the, um, the information out there about UFOs. Wild shit, dude. And mm. I know that we didn't necessarily get to this, but they were talking about the, the UFO congressional hearing. But a lot of that stuff is already out there in the world that uh, Matt Gresh was talking about. A lot of it's already like public record. There's a Showtime miniseries that talked about a lot of the stuff, Skinwalker Ranch and all that shit. But the level of detail they were able to go into and the things they were able to find through public records requests or um, these shell companies that the federal government runs that have really suspect names like um, Battelle Aerospace, um, they don't do anything that's like publicly advertised, but all of their contracts are for like government organizations. And mm. talking about some of like the the alien sightings and things of that nature, just very, very interesting stuff. I'm not saying I necessarily believe in aliens, but there's a lot of like the federal government has buried a lot of information in just like public records that you mm. have to sift through in order to find it. Like companies that are requesting confidentiality, they have to go through, I think it's the uh, one government entity. I think it's the SEC in order to like get that approved. Companies don't do that unless they're actually hiding confidential, like top secret information or top secret tech. And it's, it was fascinating too. when they were talking about some of the reports about like what aliens were like physical features and things like that. Again, that's one topic. One that was the week before was HH Holmes, America's most notorious serial killer in the 1890s. Hmm. So if you want to get into some like wild shit, that's like really well-researched ran by comedians and it's a long form podcast. The Chilluminati podcast is the one for you. The Chilluminati podcast. Love that. I'm going to yeah. check that out. I'm always into weird shit like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's both funny and informative. And again, I'm not saying that I'm like fully pilled on aliens, but a lot of the stuff that they talked about was Certainly thought-provoking, to say the least. That's awesome, man. Word. All right, folks. Well, that does it for us here at the Second Mouse Podcast. We appreciate all of you for listening. And do us a favor and share this with your friends. If your friends like fantasy football, if they like the NFL, if they like sports, if they like aliens, serial killers. We are not serial killers, but tell them about the show. You can also follow us in all, all the streaming platforms as well, um, Spotify, YouTube, things like that. Um, and we'll be back next week. We will be covering week one of the NFL and what our 
overreactions and underreactions are. We're hoping that we're all smiles, but you never know. It's the NFL. So we'll see you next week, folks. Then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>